Book One, Shadow Varn, Chapter One of The Four Stragglers by Frank L. Packard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Three years later, the East End being, as it were, more akin to the technique and the mechanics of the thing, applauded the craftsmanship. The West End, a little grimly on the part of the men, and with a loquacity not wholly free from nervousness on the part of the women, wondered who would be next. "'The Cobes is running that show,' said the East End, with its tongue delightedly in its cheek. "'Knows is why a bat. Wish I was him.' "'The police are nincompoops,' said the outraged masculine West End. "'Absolutely.' "'Yes, of course. It's quite too impossible for words,' said the feminine of the West End. "'One never knows when one's own. Do let me give you some tea, dear Lady Winterne.' For something that had merely been of faint and passing interest, a subject of casual remark, it had grown steadily, insidiously, had become conversationally epidemic. All London talked, the papers talked, virulently. Alone in that great metropolis, new scotland yard was silent due if the journals were to be believed to the fact that that world-famous institution was come upon a state of hopeless and atrophied senility with foreknowledge obtained in some amazing manner with ingenuity with boldness and invariably with success a series of crimes stretching back several years had been were being perpetrated with insistent regularity these crimes had been confined to the west end of london save on a few occasions when the perpetrators had gone slightly afield because certain wealthy west enders had for the moment changed their accustomed habitat the journals at spasmodic intervals printed a summary of the transactions in jewels and plate and cash the figures had reached an astounding total not one penny of which had ever been recovered or traced secret wall-safes hidden depositories of valuables opened with obliging celerity and disgorged their contents to some apparition which immediately vanished there was no clue it simply happened again and again traps had been set with patience and considerable artifice the traps had never been violated london was accustomed to crimes just as any great city was there were hundreds of crimes committed in london but these were of a genre all their own. These were distinctive, these were not to be confused with other crimes, nor their authors with other criminals. And so London talked, and waited. It was raining, a thin drizzle. The night was uninviting without, cosy within the precincts of a certain well-known West End club, the Claremont, to be exact. Two men sat in the lounge, in a little recess by the window one a man of perhaps thirty-three of athletic build with short-cropped black hair and clean-shaven face a one-time captain of territorials in the late war and though once known on the club membership roll as captain francis newcombe was to be found there now as francis newcombe esq the other a very much older man with a thin grey little face and thin grey hair would on recourse to the club roll have been found to be sir harris greaves bart the baronet made a gesture with his cigar indicative of profound disgust democracy he ejaculated the world's safe for democracy i am nauseated with that phrase 
What does it mean? What did it ever mean? We have had three years now since the war, which was to work that marvel, and I have seen no signs of it yet. So far as I... Captain Francis Newcomb laughed. And yet, he said, I am body in my person, one of those signs. You can hardly deny that, Sir Harris. Certainly I would never have had, shall I call it, the distinction of being admitted to this club had it not been for the democratic leaven working through the war. You remember, of course, an officer and a gentleman. We of England were certainly consistent in that respect. While one was an officer, one was a gentleman. The clubs were all pretty generally thrown open to officers during the war. Some of them came from the Lord knows where. T.G.'s they were called, you remember, temporary gentlemen. Afterward, but of course that's another story so far as most of them were concerned. Take my own case. I enlisted in the ranks, and toward the latter end of the war I obtained my commission. I became a T.G. And as such I enjoyed the privileges of this club. I was eventually, however, one of the fortunate ones. At the close of the war the club took me on its permanent strength, and, ergo, I became a permanent gentleman. Democracy! Private Francis Newcomb, Captain Francis Newcomb, Francis Newcomb, Esquire. A rather thin case, smiled the baronet. What I was about to say when you interrupted me was that, so far as I can see, all that the world has been made safe for by the war is the active expression of the predatory instinct in man. I refer to the big interests, the trusts, to the radical outcroppings of certain labor elements, to, yes, he tapped the newspaper that lay on the table beside him, the Simon Pure criminal such as this mysterious gang of desperadoes that has London at its wit's ends, and those of us who have anything to lose in a state of constant apoplexy. Captain Francis Newcomb shook his head. "'I think you're wrong, sir,' he said judiciously. "'It isn't the aftermath of the war or the result of the war. It is the war, of which the recent struggle was only a phase. It's been going on since the days of the caveman. You've only to reduce the nation to the terms of the individual, and you have it. A nation lusts after something which does not belong to it. It proceeds to take it by force.' If it fails, it is punished. That is war. The criminal lusts after something. He flings down his challenge. If he is caught, he is punished. That is war. What is the difference? The baronet sipped at his scotch and soda. Hmm, which brings us, he suggested. Nowhere, said Captain Francis Newcomb promptly. It's been going on for ages. It'll go on for all time always the individual predatory, inevitably in cycles, the cumulative individual running amuck as a nation. Why, you, sir, yourself, a little while ago, when somebody here in the room made a remark to the effect that he believed this particular series of crimes was directly attributable to the war because it would seem that some one of ourselves, someone who has had the entree everywhere, who, through being contaminated by the filth out there, had lost poise, and was probably the guilty one, meaning, I take it, that the chap finding himself in a hole wasn't so nice or particular in his choice of the way out of it as he would have been but for the war. You, Sir Harris, denied this quite emphatically. It, uh, wouldn't you say, rather bears me out? The old baronet smiled grimly. Quite possibly, he said. 
but if so i must confess that my conclusion was based on a very different premise from yours in fact for the moment i was denying the theory that the criminal in question was one of ourselves quite apart from any bearing the war might have had upon the matter the ex-captain of territorials selected a cigarette with care from his case yes he inquired politely the old baronet cleared his throat he glanced a little whimsically at his companion it's been a hobby of course purely a hobby but in an amateurish sort of way as a criminologist i have spent a great deal of time and money in by jove really exclaimed captain newcomb i didn't know sir harris that you he paused suddenly in confusion that's anything but a compliment to your reputation though i'm afraid isn't it a bit raw of me i i'm sorry sir not at all said the old baronet pleasantly and then with a wry smile you need not feel badly in certain quarters much more intimate with the subject than you could be supposed to be i am equally unrecognized it's very good of you to let me down so easily said the ex-captain of territorials contritely will you go on sir you were saying that you did not believe these crimes were being perpetrated by one in the same sphere of life as those who were being victimized why is that sir the theory seemed rather logical because said the old baronet quietly i believe i know the man who is guilty the ex-captain of territorials stared good lord sir he gasped out you you can't mean that just that a grim brusqueness had crept into the old baronet's voice and one of these days i propose to prove it but sir the ex-captain of territorials in his amazement was still apparently groping out for his bearings in that case the authorities surely you they were very polite at scotland yard very the old baronet smiled dryly again that was the quarter to which i referred socially and criminologically if i may be permitted the word i fear that the yard regards me from widely divergent angles but damn sir he suddenly became irascible they're too self-sufficient i am a doddering and interfering old idiot but nevertheless i am firmly convinced that i am right and they haven't heard the end of the matter if i have to devote every penny i've got to substantiating my theory and bringing the guilty man to justice captain francis newcomb coughed in an embarrassed way the old baronet reached for his tumbler and drank generously it appeared to soothe his feelings tut tut he said self-chidingly i mean every word of that that is as to my determination to pursue my own investigations to the end but perhaps i have not been wholly fair to the yard so far i lack proof i have only theory and the yard too has its theory it is a very common disease the theory of the yard is that the man i believe to be guilty of these crimes of to-day died somewhere around the middle stages of the war by jove captain francis newcomb leaned sharply forward on the arms of his chair you don't say the old baronet wrinkled his brows and was silent for a moment it's quite extraordinary he said at last with a puzzled smile i can't for the life of me understand how i got on this subject for i think we were discussing democracy but you appear to be interested that is expressing it mildly said the ex-captain of territorials earnestly 
you can't in common decency refuse me the rest of the story now sir harris there is no reason that i know of why i should said the old baronet did you ever hear of a man called shadow varn captain francis newcomb shook his head no he said possibly then said the old baronet you may remember the robbery at lord seaton's place it was during the war no said the other thoughtfully i can't say i do i don't think i ever heard of it well perhaps you wouldn't nodded the old baronet it happened at a time when from what you've said i would imagine you were in the ranks and however it doesn't matter the point is that the robbery at lord seaton's is amazingly like i could almost say each and every one of this series of robberies that is taking place today the same exact foreknowledge the hidden wall safe or hiding place or repository or whatever it might be that was supposedly known only to the family the utter absence of any clue the complete disappearance of shall we call it the loot itself there is only one difference in the case of lord seaton the jewels it was principally a jewel robbery were eventually recovered they were found in paris in the possession of shadow varn but the old baronet smiled a little grimly again the police were not to blame for that sir harris greaves amateur criminologist reverted to his tumbler of scotch and soda captain francis newcomb knocked the ash from his cigarette with little taps of his forefinger yes he said it's a bit of a story resumed the old baronet slowly yes quite a bit of a story i do not know how shadow varn got to paris i simply know that had he not taken sick neither he nor the jewels would ever have been found but perhaps i am getting a little too far ahead i think i ought to say that shadow varn though he had never actually up to this time been known in a physical sense to the police had established for himself a widespread and international reputation his name here for instance amongst the criminal element of our own east end was a sort of talisman something to conjure with as it were though no one could ever be found who had seen or could describe the man i suppose that is how he got the name of shadow some must have known him of course but they were tight-lipped and even these i am inclined to believe would never have been able to lay fingers on him even had they dared he was at once an inscrutable and diabolical character i would say and in this at least scotland yard will agree with me he seemed like some evil unembodied spirit upon whom one could never come in a tangible sense but that hovered always in the background dominating permeating with his personality the criminal world but if this is so if no one knew him or had ever seen him said the ex-captain of territorials in a puzzled way how was he recognized as shadow varn in paris i am coming to that said the old baronet quietly as you know very well in those days they were always poking into every rat-hole in paris for draught evaders that is how they stumbled on shadow varn they dug him out of one of those holes in a very filthy hole like a rat like a very sick rat the man was raving in delirium that is how they knew they had caught shadow varn because in his delirium he disclosed his identity and that is how they recovered lord seaton's jewels my word ejaculated captain francis newcomb 
A bit tough, I call that. My sympathies are almost with the accused. I am afraid I have failed to make you understand the inhuman qualities of the man, said the old baronet tersely. However, Shadowvarn was even then too much for them, at least temporarily. A few nights later he escaped from the hospital, but he was still too sick a man to stand the pace, and they were too close on his heels. He had, possibly, all told, a couple of hours of liberty, running, dodging through the streets of Paris. The chase ended somewhere on the bank of the Seine. He was fired at here as he ran, and though quite a few yards in the lead, he appeared to have been hit, for he was seen to stagger, fall, then recover himself and go on. He refused to halt. They fired and hit him again, or so they believed. He fell to the ground, and rolled over the edge into the water. And that was the last that was ever seen of him. "'My word!' ejaculated the ex-captain of Territorials again. "'That's a nice end, and I must say, with all due deference to you, Sir Harris, that I can't see anything wrong with Scotland Yard's deduction. I fancy he's dead, fast enough.' "'Yes,' said the old baronet deliberately, "'I imagined you would say so, and I, too, would agree were it not for two reasons. First, had it been any other man than Shadow Varn, and second, that the body was never recovered. But, objected Captain Francis Newcomb, if, as you believe, the man is still carrying on, having been identified once, he would, wouldn't you say, be recognized again? Not at all, said the old baronet decidedly. You must take into account the man's sick and emaciated condition when he was caught, and the subsequent hospital surroundings. Let those who saw him then see the same man today, robust, in health, and in an entirely different atmosphere, locality and environment. Recognized? I would say long odds against it, even leaving out of account the man's known ingenuity for evading recognition. Yes, the ex-captain of Territorials said, that is quite possible, but even granting that he is still alive, I can't see— Why I should believe he is at the bottom of what is going on today here in London? supplied the old baronet quickly. Perhaps intuition, perhaps the mystery about the man that has interested me from the time I first heard of him in the early years of the war, and which has ever since been a fascinating study with me, has something to do with it. I told you to begin with that my proof was theory, but I believe it. I do not say he is alone in this, or was alone in the Lord Seaton affair, but he is certainly the head and front and brains of whatever he was, or is, engaged in. As for the similarity of the cases, I will admit that might be pure coincidence, but we know that Shadow Varn did have the Seaton jewels in his possession. The strongest point, however, that I have to offer in a tangible sense, bearing in mind the man himself and his hideously elusive propensities, is the fact that there is no absolute proof of his death. Why wasn't his body recovered? You will answer me, probably, along the same lines that the Paris police argued, and that were accepted by Scotland Yard. You will say that it was dark, that the body might not have come to the surface immediately, and under the existing conditions, by the time they procured a boat and began their search, it might easily be missed. Very good. That is quite possible. But why, then, was not the body eventually recovered in two or three days, say, a week, if you like? 
you will say that this would probably be very far indeed from being the first instance in which a body was never recovered from the Seine, and here too you would be quite right but i do not believe it i do not believe it was a dead man or a man mortally wounded or a man wounded so badly that he must inevitably drown who pitched helplessly into the water that night i believe he did it voluntarily and with considered cunning as the only chance he had go into the east end listen to the stories you will hear about him the world does not get rid of such as he so easily the man is not human the crimes he has committed would turn your blood cold he is the most despicable the most wanton thing that i ever heard of he would kill with no more compunction than you would break into that match you are holding in your hand where he came from god alone knows and a club attendant had stopped beside the old baronet's chair yes said the old baronet i beg pardon sir harris but your car is here announced the man very good thank you the old baronet drained his glass and stood up well you have heard the story captain he said with a dry smile i shall not embarrass you by asking you to decide between scotland yard and myself but i shall at least expect you to admit that there is some slight justification for my theory the ex-captain of territorials as he rose in courtesy shook his head quietly if i felt only that way about it he said slowly i should simply thank you for a very interesting story and your confidence as it is there is so much justification i feel impelled to say to you that if this man is what you describe him to be is as dangerous as you say he is i would advise you sir harris in all seriousness to leave him to scotland yard what exclaimed the old baronet sharply and let him go free no sir not if every effort i can put forth will prevent it never sir under any circumstances captain francis newcomb smiled gravely and shrugged his shoulders well at least i felt i ought to say it he said good night sir harris and thank you so much good night captain replied the old baronet cordially as he turned away good night to you sir captain francis newcomb watched the other leave the room then he walked over to the window the drizzle had developed into a downpour with gusts of wind that now pelted the rain viciously at the window-panes he frowned at the streaming glass a moment later as he moved away from the window he consulted his watch it was a quarter past eleven downstairs he secured his hat and stick and spoke to the doorman get a taxi please martin he requested and tell the chap to drive me home he lighted a cigarette as he waited and then under the shelter of the doorman's umbrella entered the taxi it was not far the taxi stopped before a flat in a fashionable neighbourhood that was quite in keeping with the fashionable club captain francis newcomb had just left his man admitted him it's a filthy night runnels said the ex-captain of territorials runnels slammed the door against a gust of wind you're bloody well right said runnels End of Part 1, Chapter 1